You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the hunting gear podcast i'm your host dan johnson and we got a good uh we got a good episode today uh following in the steps of the previous podcast we we recorded with chad Riker of the backcountry rookies podcast where we had an overrated underrated discussion about hunting gear and equipment this is the same episode but we're talking about whitetail hunting type of products right we talk about uh, camo we talk about boots and socks we talk about deer calls uh, you know there's not a, all the time in the world to talk about every product i mean we touch briefly on uh, bow accessories and things like that but it's a really good conversation that i have with nate thomas of the missouri woods and water uh, podcast that's here on the sportsman's nation and uh, the dude is a whitetail freak as well so it's just a BS session, right? Just a really good conversation. And uh, as always, these uh, these conversations are 100% opinion-based, right? So you get a small section of the entire hunting community all in one episode, basically me and Nate talking about what we like and what we don't like in uh, a given product category. So that's what this episode is about. Hopefully you, you guys enjoy it. So what we're going to do now is we're going to do our commercials, and then we're going to get right into the into the episode. Average Conservationist, theaverageconservationist.com is a lifestyle brand. It is a, a lifestyle brand that sells hoodies, t-shirts, hats, and some really cool apparel at that, right? Um, one of my favorite hats is the general hat. It looks like something that uh, a general would wear as they're uh, driving a, a, a big fighter ship through the ocean. Uh, my favorite hoodie is the camo hoodie that they offer. And my new favorite shirt that they have is one with a tent on it. I don't know. It's like a sunset with a tent on it. 
Uh, awesome, awesome products. Now, here's the kicker with that company. That company gives off the top, gives 10% of all of their earnings to a conservation effort. And that is uh, at a local level and also at a national level. So uh, whatever they choose to give their money to, it's helping conservation in some way, shape, or form. And that's really cool. Just imagine if all of the hunting companies within the hunting industry would do the same. Dude, we'd pretty much fund all conservation efforts. I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very impressive, if you ask me. So theaverageconservationist.com. Go check out their hoodies, t-shirts, hats, and all the other uh, stuff that they sell on their, on their website. Awesome brand. And also check out the Average Conservationist podcast here on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. Lastly, or no, lastly, I got two more, Hunt Stand, right? So I've been messing around with Hunt Stand now for a while. And Hunt Stand is, I guess, the number one selling digital map hunting strategy type app that is out there. It allows you to choose from a variety of different base maps like uh, you know, topography, focused or satellite imagery focused Uh, there's others that you can choose from on top of that they have the ability to mark where your tree stands are at your trail cameras are at know the landowners of a given property so if you need to knock on the door and say hey billy bob thornton uh, i would love to hunt your property would you be interested in letting me hunt or you know making that first uh that first communication it's a good app to have, man. And uh, the more I play around with it, the more I realize the functionality of it for someone like myself. Uh, it allows you to measure distance. I mean, there's just just a ton of functionality with it. So it's one thing that you really should go out, download the app for free, and you can always upgrade to their pro platform for like uh, 30 bucks. So it's uh, fairly affordable as well. On top of that, I already said no. I already said it's, it has some really good functionality. So it's a great app. Go check it out. Uh, their website is huntstand.com. And lastly, Lone Wolf Tree Stands. I got a, a new shipment in from Lone Wolf uh, about three days ago. And I'm jacked up to start messing around with uh, the equipment that I got from them. It's just it's one of those things where being mobile, the more mobile you are, I really think it's important when it comes to trying to hunt mature deer, deer that are in one location. Uh, maybe you, you got them pegged and you need to make a move in on them, right? You, you've located them through trail cameras. You've located them through scouting. You've located them through an observation set. Now it's time to make a move. And I'm a huge fan of the four sticks and the assault. That is my, that's my jam. The assault hang on st- uh, stand that's my jam and i love 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 climbing up in a tree tear, setting up tearing down and the ability to level your stand in a crooked tree allows you to be in the right tree not a close enough tree but the right tree to get a shot on uh, a deer that you've really worked hard for so lone wolf uh lone wolf portable tree stands man go check them out and if you want to I guess, uh, let's see what we got here. A discount code. I got a discount code for you. 9FC21. 9FC21, and you're going to save 
$50 off of all purchases over $200. So four sticks, I'm thinking they're like $225 or something like that. You're saving $50. That's a big, right? That's a, that's a big savings. So uh, take advantage of that. And 9FC21, and uh, you're going to save... $50 off all purchases over $200. That's the commercial. Those are the commercials. Let's get into today's hunting gear podcast episode with Nate Thomas of the Missouri Woods and Water podcast, where we BS about whitetail hunting gear and equipment. All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Nate Thomas of the Missouri Woods and Water podcast. You're a, a network brother, so to speak. How we doing, man? Good. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm ready to bullshit a little bit today. I have had uh, the last couple of days has just been crazy with kids. I didn't get to bed last night until midnight. I had a three year old try to get in bed with me two or three different times, and then I woke up uh, like an hour before my alarm went off. So I'm running. I feel like I'm running on fumes, and it's only Wednesday. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I feel your pain. We've we've both got kids and. Uh, I pretty much end up every single night with a three-year-old in my bed that ends up kicking me in the middle of the back and my wife allows it and, uh, it happens. (laughs) So I then, uh, he typically will sleep all over me instead of her. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And I don't know why that is. I'm like, if you want to be in this bed, why don't you snuggle with him? Because I don't want to snuggle with him. I just want to sleep. Yeah, that's exactly right. And he loves her more than me anyway. So I don't know why he's got to be on top of me. That's hilarious because it's the truth. <laughs> yep. The other day, the other day, I was sitting there. I go, "I love you, buddy." He looks at me and goes, "I love mommy." And I'm just like, uh, <laughs> "All right then. Uh, good luck with the rest of your life." That's how it goes. That's right. So uh, I had Chad Riker from the Backcountry Rookies on the the podcast. Uh, was it last week? I think, and we had a a Western themed hunting gear discussion, basically overrated, underrated type conversation. And today me and you are going to do that on the whitetail side of things. So we're going to talk about all the gear that we use throughout the year and, uh, you know, talk a little bit about the, whether they're overrated, whether they're underrated, whether they're accurately rated. And then our thought behind why, all of those things matter maybe to us or in general. And, uh, you know, to everybody listening, uh, take this with a grain of salt. This is a for fun episode. We're not hardcore serious about, uh, you know, Hey, you have to have this product or you won't kill a deer. We all know that's not true. (laughs) So, um, so where do you think, uh, where do you think a good place to start would be? Um, well, you know, I'm trying not to. I'm trying to be different because I listened to that show with you and Chad, and I hate to say it, but I mean, I would think clothing would be a good spot, even though I know you all covered it out west too. But yeah. um, we'll just start there. Let's just start with clothing, I yeah. guess. Yeah. So that's a that's a great place to start. And I, I tell you what, I'll just kick it off, and I'll say this. I would say, for a majority of hunters, do you think? And let me ask you this question. Do you think a majority of hunters are, when they do hunt, are hunting all day long, sun up to sundown, or they're getting out of the truck, or getting out of the stand, going back to the truck, and then coming back in for the evening hunt? What what do, what do you think? I would have to guess that a vast majority of hunters out there are not hunting all day long. Yeah, 
Yeah. And hence why I'm going to say this. When it comes to, and obviously climate and weather have a lot to do with this, that clothing for the most part, it, it, you know, it's going to be, you know, the more comfortable you are in the stand, uh, the more time you're going to be spent that you spend in the, in the stand. But for the average Joe out there, I'm going to say clothing is overrated. Like, I don't think you need the Sitkas. I don't think you need the first lights. I don't think you need all of that stuff to go out and get the job done. Now I, I say that with an asterisk because um, I also feel that for me, I love wearing merino wool. So that's going to keep me comfortable. It's going to keep me, you know, when I'm doing a run and gun, it's going to, it's going to allow me to dry off quicker. Uh, it's going to allow me to be more comfortable in the stand, whether I have, you know, like my, my base layer, my insulation layer, and then a, uh, a shell over top of that in some extreme cold. But for me throughout this past November, it was, it was fairly warm for most of the year. And the year before that, it was extremely cold, but on the average year, man, I can get away with some, you know, some dicky pants. Um, one of my base layers, uh, uh, and a, uh, one of my base layer tops and maybe a, a thick hooded sweatshirt and yeah. maybe an insulation layer. And I'm good to go for a, a majority of the year. So I think it's one of those things that, like marketing works wonders on certain people and brands like first light and Sitka and some of these other quote unquote specialty brands where there is a, a product for absolutely every scenario, you know, whether it's, it's warm that day or cool that day or cold that day or rainy that day or sunshiny that day, they have a combination for absolutely everything. And I honestly think that a guy can definitely, I mean, they've, they did it before Sitka. They did it before First Light and all these other, uh, you know, specialty brands. So I will say that a guy can definitely get away um, with hunting um, and hunting quite a quite a bit if they're just running, you know, a little bit of cotton, uh, you know, cotton or uh, just preparing or maybe having, an, you know, taking their their hooded sweatshirt off while they're walking in, and so they don't get wet. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a little cool. And then when they get there, they throw their hoodie on and they throw their jacket on. And I think, uh, the average Joe can definitely, definitely get, uh, uh, away with that. And I say that with an asterisk because <laughs> again, I, I have some of this layering type stuff, but this past year, man, I, I didn't wear camo at all. I wore solid colors. I wore, uh, uh, base layer. I wore an Eddie Bauer puffy jacket. I wore uh, yep. an LL Bean, a big he- like a big wool uh, sweater, and uh, one of my base layers, and that got me through the entire, pretty much the entire year. And yep. uh, so, uh, I'm going to say overrated. What are your thoughts? Uh, okay, so I'm going to pretty much say the exact same thing. Overrated, but. Uh, because is it overrated? Yeah, because honestly, in my opinion, camo really doesn't matter. Right. I think gear, it's more about movement than anything. Right. You know, if you're, if you're up in a tree with the best camo pattern of the, of the century and you're twirling around like an idiot, the, the deer's going to pick you off. Fact. So movement is what matters. 
However, I'm also a gear junkie, so I'm looking at a closet full of uh, probably eight to ten different brands of camo. Yeah. <laughs> so at the same time, I do do buy it. Um, 99% of the time, it's just like you said, I wear a merino base layer, merino wool base layer every time I hunt. Uh, and I, that, I started doing that after going out west. And now I do it at home. So I've got a lightweight set. I've got a, a heavier, um, what the hell do they call that? Gram, grams, I think, um, set. And I'll wear that pretty much any time. So if it's hot outside, it helps keep the moisture, you know, off of me and drying quicker. And uh, that's, for me, it's a big thing. Everything else is just fodder. I mean, yeah, it's cool. Um, I did spend one year... This has probably been, what, three years ago, I'd say. Yeah, we had a really cold snap, and I didn't really have anything for cold weather because down here, I mean, it gets cold, but, you know, it'll be like 21 day and then 35 the next day if it's cold, right? So, but we had a snap where it was like in the teens and snowing and windy for several straight days, and I went and spent, uh, I bet it was... God, my wife would kill me if she heard this 500 bucks on a Sika fanatic jacket. Yeah. And I'm going to say this, I'm not a Sika fanboy. We're sponsored by another company and they, they've treated us really well, but that jacket, I sat out that entire day in about 10 to 20 degree weather with wind blowing right in my face and snow on and off all day long. Absolutely. And I never, I never even got chilly. Yeah. Um, so what I liked about that jacket and what I look for now is stuff that keeps the wind off of me. If it's going to be a little colder outside. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you don't have to go spend 500 bucks on that and I'm never going to do it again, but that, that was like a light bulb for me. I'm going to look for windproof stuff from now on. Yeah. Um, whether it's lightweight or not. Yeah. And, And I'll say this, a lot of my a lot of my uh, comments are going to be on the budget side. You know, what I'm thinking is budget. Now, for the average guy, spending $1,300 for some gear, like for some clothing, is just not uh, an option, right? If I, if, I, if I told my wife I was going to go out and spend $1,300 on, <laughs> on clothing, she would, I, I'm pretty sure you would see me in the newspaper, wife murders husband, straight up. Yeah. And she, it, it would just, it would blow her mind, right? But here's what I will say on, on, on defense of the brands that I've mentioned. Their gear is good. And yeah, it's it, not bad. No, it There's does a, allow yeah. you more, like I said, to be more comfortable. But you have to be willing to pay that price. And where is that price? For someone who is in a moderate climate, who it's not going to get terribly cold, um, and you're not going to hunt in the rain, uh, you're not going to necessarily need some of that stuff. But if you're up in the Midwest, where you're dealing with days that are 75, like November, it could be 75, or it could be 10 degrees or colder. Um, That's where some of this, that kind of equipment really shines. But as far as the clothing and the gear is concerned, I think number one, you can do it, always do it for cheaper. Just go and Google what you're looking for. There's always a cheaper option. And uh, second is, uh, and let's just take a sidestep off of this and talk about camo per se. Like one of my personal favorite camo brands 
is Predator camo. Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. like the, I, I'm, I've got a bunch of it in that closet. Yeah, Fall Gray is probably one of my favorite uh, camo. Like when I in November, when I look up in the tree, that's what I see. I don't see real tree, right. like a big blob of something. I don't see Sitka. I don't see um, First Light. I see this Fall Gray type look, and uh, so that's kind of what I grew up with. That's what I. I, I really like, but last year, uh, I, it was no camo at all. 100% Browns and, and, uh, uh light tans and, and t- uh, different versions of Brown and solid colors. And I feel like I got picked off less in the tree. Uh, even when deer were right on top of me or if I was potentially exposed from a tree stand, as far as there's no, there was no background. So I was kind of silhouetted and, I stayed still. I leaned up against the tree, and I felt I feel like I look more like a tree wearing solid colors than I would be if I was wearing a variety of camo patterns. So, I don't know. Uh, I would say That's camo is awesome. de- yeah, camo is definitely it, overrated. Camo itself is overrated. Yes. yes. Now the thing is, everybody loves it. I mean, I just admitted to it. I just admitted that I spent five hundred dollars on a freaking jacket, mm-hmm. and you know. You go spend thirteen hundred dollars. The the thing that you didn't really mention, that thirteen hundred dollars is on a pair of pants and a coat. That's right. it. It's not like a full system. Yeah. I mean, if you told me it would be like an entire system that would cover everything, uh, okay, maybe I, I might think about it. Yeah. But um, no, if you're if you're just like a normal average Joe, which really that's what I am anyways. I just am an idiot and go spend money, but. You literally can go out there in blue jeans, uh, not too blue, uh, blue jeans, and like you were saying, a, a light jacket, and a, go buy a sweater. You know, the crazy thing is, you go buy a jacket that is camo, and that exact same jacket that's not camo is probably 20% at least cheaper yeah. than the camo one is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, so definitely overrated, however... There's parts about clothing that I don't overrate, like yeah. having a nice base layer. And if I can keep the wind off me, I can stay out there for a week if, yeah. I, if I needed to. Yeah. Insula- a good insulation layer, like uh, whether it's down or synthetic, is always great. Um, I actually have um, uh, a hooded sweatshirt that I wore this year that I would, uh, it, when it was really cold, I would put on uh, my merino base layer. I would wear my puffy jacket, and then I had, uh, I, it depends on, on how cold it was, but the, I had the L.O. Bean hoodie, or excuse me, the L.O. Bean sweater, merino sweater, but then I also had a, um, a uh, hooded sweatshirt, and it was designed by a company called Arborware, and Arborware uh, makes products designed for the uh, arborists, so you guys are cutting trees and working with chainsaws yeah. and, and, you know, cutting down trees or trimming branches or power lines or whatever. And they make a, a double stuff hooded sweatshirt that I've had for, I want to say seven years. And it is badass, man. It is tough. It is, it's a little heavy, but once you put that thing on, nothing really gets through it. And, uh, and, and it's, I think it's mostly cotton, uh, but you know, I'm not wearing it to the tree stand. I put it on once I get up in the tree. So uh, right, right. that that's an awesome, awesome piece as well. And then one thing I've learned is like when you're buying 
these these name brand camo pants uh you know like they have all the wind deflector or the fleece on them man the second you step out of your truck and you start walking through thorns and the landscape crossing creeks climbing trees it just gets beat to shit and it may be tough no longer pretty yeah it may be tough for a while but i feel more comfortable in a pair of dickies you know or you know, with a base layer on, stomping through all that stuff. It's not getting through to my skin. You know, the material's heavier. It's not lightweight. The cockabers aren't sticking to it. And, uh, man, there's a couple pairs of uh, fleece pants that I have that can damn near stand up by themselves because they have yeah. so many of that, you know, that bagger's lice and that those cockabers on it. And it just picks up every single thing. And, and then you're sitting there all night in the tree or all morning in the tree or at home trying to pick all that stuff off. And it just sucks. When you spend, I mean, so I, I care about my money. So when I spend a lot of money on something, I take care of it. And, you know, not to make this a commercial, but my sickest stuff that I bought when we first started going out West for elk hunting, that's exactly what happened when I would step over a log and it would grab the pant I would inspect that pant for the next 10 minutes wondering <laughs> if I ruined it because I, I spent $140 on this, this damn pair of pants. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the company we're sponsored by now, uh, Huntworth, their stuff, honestly, I haven't noticed a quality difference and I don't really care if I rip the pants because they're $35. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, so like, you know, you can get that's that's the thing that I've started noticing, especially buying a bunch of different companies over the years. You don't have to go and spend premium dollar to get good quality stuff. Yeah. And then you add in the fact that you actually don't even have to have camo and you can open up all kinds of Pandora's boxes from there and get some really cool things. Yeah. Um, people just seem not to do it. You know, the old school boys still hunt with plaid on and, you know, blue jeans. Yeah. but. You know, younger guys seem to, it has to be camo and which I agree with. I wear camo every time I go hunting. Yeah. Do I have to? No. Yep. That's a fact, man. That's a fact. So, okay. So, uh, camos under, or excuse me, camos overrated. The gear and the clothing side of things are, uh, a little overrated. Uh, you know, obviously you can get away with a lot more. And if you're tough and you can deal with uh, hot weather or cold weather, it's even more overrated. Right. So, um, take that with a grain of salt like what we just said now i want to talk about boots a second for the whitetail hunter and i'm gonna i want to hear your opinion first on boots and maybe we could even break it down a little bit we'll see where the conversation goes but anyway let's just let's talk about boots and go ahead you read my mind because i was sitting here thinking Hey, let's go to boots next. So you read my mind. <laughs> Here we are. Um, or let's go to feet next because that's honestly the one area I still struggle with white tip hunting when it starts getting colder outside. So I typically wear, I, for whatever reason, Dan, I don't like wearing my muck boots white tail hunting. Uh, I don't know why. I just don't like wearing rubber boots. Um, you know, they go up all the way to my damn knee and I, I just don't like them as much. So I'll wear my my hunting boots that I wear out west, which are, um, oh, what's the term? Open. You know, they you can they they breathe. Yeah. Because we go hunting early season, so 
I'll wear those and I'm fine. 99% of the, not 90% of the time I wear my wool socks. If it's early or if it's, if it's warm outside, I wear a light pair of wool socks and if it gets colder, I'll wear heavier ones. And usually I'm pretty good. Um, when it gets cold outside is where I start to struggle. Yeah. Uh, cause I can be from head all the way to my ankles. I can be 100% comfortable and my, my feet are throbbing cold. Yep. And sometimes I don't even start, I don't feel them after a while. So, you know, then, then I'll, the next time I go hunting, I will wear those muck boots and that doesn't help. The, the feet still are just throbbing cold. So I've thought of kind of different ways to keep my feet warm and you can go buy those, what those toe warmers from hot hands or whatever. Yep. Um, I'll throw those in my pack and then guess what I never do with them. Never use them. <laughs> I don't ever use them. Lat two years ago, Dan, I went and bought those Arctic Shield boot covers. Yeah. You know how many times I've used them? Dude. Zero. Dude. And they're right there. Dude. And I don't know why I'm not using them. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's because I'm about to I'm about to chew you chew you an ass. Chew your Please ass. Do. Right. Because <laughs> Rubber boots for the tree stand hunter are overrated. Like the scent game, like the whole scent thing. Oh, dude, it prevents the scent. Dude, get over that part of that. Don't like, don't worry about it because that ground scent that you think you're laying is not so potent that, you know, again, I've, I've, I've had a buck catch my ground scent and, and skedaddle. Right. Um, I use a little uh, nose jammer. Uh, I throw it on the boots. It's, it seems to work just fine. But I've all but quit rubber boots, man. Like they have their, I will wear them if I know I have to walk through a ton of mud or cross a creek. Yeah. Right? right. Only, only yep. two reasons I'm wearing rubber boots. With that said, rubber, rubber boots themselves are completely overrated. Like I'm not walking to a tree stand in below freezing temps and going to sit in rubber, which is cold, uh, in a boot that traps moisture. And then that boot gets cold. And then the air in my boot is starts to cool down so that it just, and I'm not active in my tree stand. I'm kind of just sitting still next thing, you know, uh, your feet are cold, right? Yeah. And yep. so that is what a rubber boot does. Like, so forget the scent game. Like, I, I don't care. I like, I, I, I have, you have to be comfortable in the tree stand to last, you know, to last as long as it takes. Right. Um, so rubber boots overrated. Now I do the same thing you do, right? Where I'm wearing a, uh, I have these, uh, socks. They're Altera Alpaca. Uh, Altera is the name the, uh, is the brand name and they're made out of alpaca fur, I guess you would say similar to like uh, Merino wool. And, uh, I put those on, I put on my hiking boots just like you do. And this is where I'm a little upset with you. You've made the best purchase in the world already and you haven't used them yet. No, I haven't. It will change your life when, once you start wearing those Arctic shield boots, those or boot covers, those are probably the most underrated piece of equipment that there is, period, when it comes to your feet. I mean, 
rubber boots and in you know rubber boots are another funny thing because you always kind of buy just a little bit big knowing that you're going to potentially have to put on two pairs of socks to get you through a hunt so yeah. in a cool in a cool time a year where it's uh where you may not need two pairs of socks you're climbing up your tree stand in these gigantic boots and they're slipping around on you well that's not happening with your hiking boots right your regular nope. boots that you have it's more uh, comfortable on the foot uh there's you know the 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 wool sock i guess you would call it uh lets your foot, foot breathe the boot itself lets your boot breathe and then you get to the stand and you slide those boot covers on and it's there's no there's no heat loss at that point right it, it's all trapped in there um there's still a little you know, space and breathing and the moisture can leave your feet a little bit more. And I'm telling you it, there, there are times where it gets a little, um, I'll use the word clammy in a, in those uh, boot covers, but guess what? Your feet are not, they're not wet and they're not, uh, they're not cold. So, so you would definitely say dude, Arctic I, shield boot covers are underrated. Oh yes, one hundred percent underrated, and not not just Arctic Shield. There's a there's several different brands out there. I just so happen to have the Arctic Shield ones. Yeah, I'm not Dude, sure which other ones there are. But. In in the past, and and this is a bold statement because just all of all the gear and how technology has worked and innovation and design has improved over the past ten years. I will tell you that the best purchase that I've made in the last 10 years is the Arctic Shield boot covers, hands down. Okay, so you're making me feel excited about actually, you know, getting them. So I've put them on, right? So here's where you need to help me and help the listener. Mm -hmm. The one area and probably why I haven't used them in the field is when I put them on, they feel like I'm wearing boats on my feet. They're huge. You know, because they have to they have to go over your your boot, obviously, right? Right. So, does that bother you whatsoever when nope. you have to move? You know, get up, maybe stand up, turn around in your stand. Nope. Have you ever had them bother you? Nope, not one time. They have not bothered me one time. Um, I'm I'm actually trying to think of something bad to say about them right now, like uh, uh, to be critical about. Um, maybe it's. I don't know. Dude, I really don't know. Like, Okay, I'm going to start putting them in my pack then. Yeah, you have to, especially if it's cold outside, right? And, and there's times where I'm wearing a, a, a pretty light sock and a non-insulated hiking boot, and then I just, and it's 30 degrees outside, and then I throw those boot covers on. And then before I get down, put them back in the pack. It's, it's one extra thing to do. You know, it's an extra step of getting ready. But mm-hmm. it, it just allows you to be more comfortable, man. I, I This past, or it was last year when I ended up buying them. It was last year or two years ago. Anyway, was, uh, two or three years ago. But anyway, two years ago, it was, you know, however, it was 12 degrees in Iowa for the rut. And I had that those things on, and my feet were money. And uh, in the mm-hmm. really cold days, I threw a couple hot hands in there just for, you know, just uh, just because. And no issues, like no issues. And it was right. Excited about that. Yeah, yeah. It's a win. It's a win, dude. I can sit all day, and the only issue I'll have is my feet. To the point that I'll stand up and start like moving my 
wiggling my toes around trying to, you know, get them to warm up. Yep. Um, you know, if I ever get a chill in my body, I typically can, uh, this is going to sound stupid, but you ever been sitting there and you kind of get a little, you know, chill and you just start kind of flexing your pec muscles you oh, yeah. kind of quickly, yep. you know, and then you kind of get some blood moving through your body and then you're not cold anymore. Yep. Or do some calf uh, raises in the, in the right. tree or, or yeah, do some kind of movement that's gonna, you know, I don't know. It's get gonna heart rate up yeah, a get little, your heart rate up a little bit. Know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, with my feet, there's nothing I can do. And there's been times where I'm like, I got to get down. This hurts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm going to get down, go get some lunch and come back later. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, I will I will make a promise. I will put those in my pack because I've got I'm looking at them right now. Actually, they're in my closet and I have not used them. Okay. I put them on when I first got them because uh, there was a little bit of discrepancy on the sizing. You know, I wasn't really sure what size to buy. And uh so I put them on and that is literally the last time they've been on my feet. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, uh, we've kind of, I, I don't want to go too far deep into socks, obviously, uh, cats out of the bag about Merino, right. For base layers. That's just what I wear. Um, it works. you know, if you have those boot covers and you want to still wear cotton, um, you know, cotton's going to take longer to dry, but those boot covers, man, I just feel like everybody needs to buy those things. Everybody needs to buy a pair of uh, boot covers and different brands make them. So go check them out. All right. So the next one I want to talk about is a topic that, you know, you either use it and you like it or you don't use it and you talk shit about it. And that, (laughs) and that is ozone. Okay. Um, I am the nine finger Chronicles is part has partnered with Ozonics and I've been a, believer of ozone and specifically ozonics for since the brand came out like i remember taking in ozonics into the tree with me when it was basically a prototype and it was about the size of a half the size of a vcr it was huge (laughs) it was heavy all right so so then i started seeing some reactions the deer and how they you know shit these i was maybe set up in the wrong tree or, or whatever. And some does are, are coming downwind to me and it catches them, whether they're at 20 yards or whether they're at 60 yards or even further yet that, you know, they throw their nose in the air and they're just like, man, what is that? Sometimes they get nervous and they're, they're, they're just like, well, I don't really know what it is, but I'm going to get out of here. Uh, sometimes they get curious and they come closer to the stand and sometimes they'll just put their head up, sniff and eh, whatever, and they'll go. Right. Uh, I've had very, very few, uh, times where I've been busted in the tree stand with an ozonics running or any ozone device. So here's what I say. Here's what I'm going to say about ozone in the tree. It is like just ozone in general is definitely underrated i think uh dude i i think everybody should should mess around with it it is one of those things where it has the ability to confuse a deer enough to where they're just like man what the hell's going on a providing you with a shot opportunity b if you're hunting a specific buck in a in a, a doe group or a young buck comes down wind and they catch that 
they don't just blow and go crazy for the next 30 minutes ruining the entire rest of your hunt. They're just the reaction that they've had they have is I don't know. It's not like they catch it, okay? What is it? They'll either investigate or they'll leave calmly, but they don't go crazy and blow or or bolt out of there. Outside of the tree is where I think uh ozone has its absolute it, where it shines right so after every hunt or before every hunt i run uh, a cycle where o, uh, in my ozonics where ozone covers all my clothes and there are times depending if the thermals are right on my access routes i mentioned i spray a little uh i spray a little uh nose jammer on my boots where i feel invisible on my access routes getting to the woods and dude, I, I, I wash my clothes less. I take less showers throughout the year and, uh, it, it kills all the odor from, you know, being sweaty and all this stuff. And, uh, dude, I, so I, I am here to say that I've seen it work. I've had those quote unquote aha moments with ozone that, uh, it's just part of my, it's part of my set regimen. It's part of my gear list these days. And I think uh, ozone is definitely underrated. So you're going underrated for sure. Yeah. My answer is going to be uh, incomplete because I've never used it. And I don't really, I don't think I know anybody that has it. So now it's funny we're having this conversation today because literally just um, yesterday I talked with my taxidermist about something. Yeah. And he, we were talking and um, he said, yeah, I got a shipment back from the tannery and one of the hides I got back they didn't quite do a good enough job and it kind of stunk. And I'm like, you know, he said he let it dry out. He thought the, he thought the odor had went away and then the, the client got their deer home and noticed the smell was back uh, or noticed a smell and he knew exactly what it was. Yeah. So he had the client bring it back and he got an ozone uh, machine, I guess you'd call it. And put that deer in a, a a bag with the ozone machine for I don't know twenty four hours. I have no idea how long, and it's gone, hmm. gone, and never came back. Um, so I I understand how ozone could work well in the the setting of hunting deer. Yeah. Um, I just have never used it, um, mostly because. Well, several reasons. I'm a cheap ass yeah. is a one main reason. Says the guy who has ten thousand dollars worth of camo in his closet. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure my wife does not listen to this show. Uh, and then I also am a minimalist sometimes. So right. anything extra I have to do, you know, we just talked about those Arctic Shield boot covers. It's an extra thing I have to do, and so hence I haven't used them in two years. Right. Um, I don't like filming myself, even though I've tried it before, cause it's more stuff to do. Yeah. And, and I, that's probably most of the reason why I haven't went after an ozone unit is because it's just another thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- that's really my only excuse. So I really can't give an answer cause yeah. I'll, so I'll say my answer is incomplete. Yeah. It's, that? you know, Can I give that answer. Yeah, that's fair. It, and it's one of those things where 
it, here I am kind of a hypocrite, right? I'm, I'm saying things like, well, you don't need to spend this much money on a, a product, you know, like Sitka or any type of clothing or anything like that. But then I, here I am, you know, saying, hey, you need to, you know, you know, you know like I'm definitely recommending you mess around in the tree or out of the tree back at the house or whatever with ozone and a lot of those units are pretty expensive so i'm a in a way i'm kind of a hypocrite but i just through my experiences have led me to seeing nothing but positive responses when using ozone yeah in and out of the tree so the beautiful the beautiful part is uh your opinion is yours yeah so i mean it's a you know people can take it for what they're paying for it when they when they listen to it, which is really yeah. nothing, right? I mean, yeah. it's just everybody's, uh, uh, what do you call it? Their, their experiences and, and, uh, and what they've seen out there are why they have a lot of the opinions they've formed. Right. right. So, you know, a dude that's been wearing plaid and blue jeans his whole life and has killed 20, 150 inch deer. Um, when I talk about, yeah, I went and spent $500 on a coat. He's going to laugh in my face. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's no different than that. So no, I get it. And I've, I've heard good things about it. Um, a lot of people use it. I just haven't went down that road yet. And I don't really know anybody that's using it. So, uh, other than you, so, yeah. um, I'm sure it's something I should try because there's been times where I've been busted by a doe, um, you know, right, like 30 minutes before prime time, something like that, you know? Right. And I'm just like, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're going to ruin this whole evening for me. So yeah. I can see where that would be nice. Right. Okay. So talked about boots, talked about ozone, talked about uh, camo and, and the clothing aspect of it. Let's talk about, let's just, let's talk about, uh, calls, deer calls, bleat okay. calls, uh, rattling horns, snort wheeze, uh, grunt calls, uh, what's your what's your take on calls? And if you want to break them down, uh, even individually, you know you can. Let's start with rattling antlers. Yeah. Uh, I actually think rattling rattling antlers. I, I don't know how to explain. I guess I'll just say they're appropriately rated. Okay. Uh, I like them, and I think they serve a purpose. Yeah. In, in the right setting, you can't just be in the tree rattling every five minutes, you know, for an, a minute and a half at a time that, you know, it makes no sense. Yeah. So I've, I've personally seen a rattle sequence work. Um, and I've seen, I've, I've seen an actual, you know, a buck re respond to what they heard. Um, so I, I know it works in the right setting, but you know, it's, it can also, be detrimental to you if you are just blindly rattling and then there's a there's a 160 inch buck 20 yards behind you and you started rattling you think he's going to stick around yeah <laughs> no so i would say they're appropriately rated because i use them uh, although i use a rattle bag yeah. i don't take antlers with me um on a on a side note i'm going to actually make my own rattle bag out of antlers isn't that going to be cool i think it'll be nifty but you're going to make it yourself. Um, so I've got a rattle bag, right? Right. And then I've got some old antlers lying around from deadheads I found or sheds. And I'm actually, I'm going to cut the antlers up to fit into that rattle bag. 
and I'm going to use those as the rattle bag, or I'm going to try it out and see how it sounds. That's I don't know why it wouldn't sound good. Heck yeah. I don't know why it wouldn't sound good. They're antlers. Yeah. So um, I'm going to try that out. But I currently use just a, I don't even know what brand it is, just a probably a Primos rattle bag that I've taken with me for years because it's easy to pack. And, you know, yeah. I would just say you got to know how to use it. You got to, before you rattle, like a, a thing I do is I will, I will make, I will take my binoculars out. I will scan the entire area intensely before I decide to blindly rattle. Um, cause you don't, you know, you don't want to obviously be rattling when there's a buck right there and he doesn't see anything that actually is making that sound. So, yeah. um, I don't blindly rattle a lot, but when I do, I spend a lot of time making sure there's nothing in my in initial vicinity. Yeah. Um, so I would say they're appropriately rated. I use them. Okay. What about some of the other things I just mentioned? Uh, grunt tube. I have with me. I almost never use it, but yeah. I have before. Yeah. I don't any. I don't do any doe bleats. I rarely. I have before. Um, the grunt tube that I have is actually, it's called the extinguisher. So you can slide it up and down to make it a grunt or a buck or a doe or a fawn. Have I used those before? Yeah, but I, I can't tell you the last time I've attempted to do a doe bleat. Um, usually if I'm going to use it, it's going to be a grunt. Yeah. But honestly, if I'm going to make a noise out of my mouth, I'm usually snort wheezing. Yeah. If, if, if I'm going to make one, that's what I'm actually doing. And I just do that with my mouth. Yeah. So, good uh, success call, calling deer in, uh, with a snort wheeze. I've never, I've only used it a handful of times and it's worked every time. Yes. But I'm talking maybe like three times max in my life. Gotcha. Um, now I will say this <laughs> to go back to the, the antlers. I, I rattled at a buck that I hunted for several years uh, it was a buck I nicknamed uh, Sub Zero, and he's he's been gone for several years now. But the only the second time I ever saw that buck ever on foot, he was going away from me, and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna try to rattle him back. He never knew I was even there. You know, one of those situations where he just was he was not going the direction I needed him to. So I rattled that at that deer, and you would have thought somebody smacked him in the ass really, and yep. told him to run away yep. because I've never seen a deer tuck tail and take off the opposite direction so fast in my life. Dang. Um, and as soon as I saw him do that, I was like, holy shit, what did I do wrong? Right. Uh, so it doesn't always work, but snort wheezing, I did it. I did it on a deer last year and he came right in. Um, but it's usually... I don't ever snort wheeze if I haven't been able to see what is going on and evaluate the situation that is in front of me. Does that make sense? Yep. So, you know, if you've got a buck that has a doe with him and there's another buck in the area and you can tell he's pissed off and he's wanting to fight and he's not necessarily going where you want him to go, I think a, a, a timely place snort wheeze can work really good. Yeah. Yeah. But if you just have a buck cruising through or passing through and you decide to throw a snort wheeze at him, I don't know that it's going to work all that great. Yeah. Uh, so when I've used it, it's because I feel like I know it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, so I'll break mine down. Rattling antlers are, I bring them to the tree with me for those just-in-case moments, right? Where if I see a deer uh, with aggressive body language, raking a tree, making a scrape, you know, looking pissed off, and he's out of shooting range or he's a long ways away and he would never be able to hear a grunt, uh, rattling antlers, 100% overrated. Like, I, I... if I could only bring one thing into the tree with me, it'd be a grunt tube, hands down. Like I just leave the rattling antlers because what, what I, what, (coughs) holy cow. I think I just swallowed a fly (coughs) talking so much there. Anyway. Uh, so the, uh, the rattling antlers, I think what a lot of people do, and I've learned this lesson the hard way is rattling blind. Right. So, oh man, there's nothing here. Just like what you're do, what you said you did, you, you scan everything out, you rattle. And then something says, man, there's something over there. I can't see what it is. I'm going to go investigate. And they loop way down. Deer are yep. really good at pinpointing where sound comes from. If you're mm-hmm. doing an aggressive sound like that, they'll locate you with their ears. Then they'll come down wind to scent check you. And I think a lot of people fail right there. They'll come down wind. They'll never even see the deer and they'll say, well, shit, I'm out. I ain't, I'm not going up there because that's a human, right? Or whatever. Yeah. I smell, I, that's not a deer. I smell. Exactly. Yeah. So I think rattling antlers are overrated. However, like you said, there's a time and place for them, but the, I don't think the grunt tube gets enough uh, appreciation because man, I have turned a lot of deer with just a simple in my day, like just out of shooting range, coming through, walking down a different trail and hit him with the old and they'll stop and you don't want to hit it. Don't want to do it again. You just let them get like, what was that? What? That was curious, curious. And then they, then a lot of times they'll get curious enough, especially if they're by themselves. If it's a buck by themselves, they'll come back to investigate and man there's uh, in 2017 was a perfect example uh i got i, I walked in on it was 2016 excuse me i walked in there was a, a point that walked into this little marsh area and on the point there was uh the buck was bedded he stood up and he started walking this little this cut all the way up into a field and then when he got Almost to jump the fence to go in the field, I hit him with the the one little tiny grunt. He stopped, and he 90-degree turned. He didn't jump the fence, and he walked right in through this one of my shooting lanes, and I I just dropped him. And uh, so, the, and, and just a variety of scenarios like that through, throughout the years where I'm not blind calling anymore. I'm just only calling when absolutely necessary. And uh, the grunt tube seems to do it for me. However, in 2012, a rattle didn't work. A grunt tube didn't work. um, A doe bleat didn't work. And this buck was getting ready to leave my life forever. And I snort wheezed and it just pissed him off. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh. He turned around and he came dead-eyed dick right towards me and uh, ended up shooting him. So uh, I've had just a couple uh, positive things with snort wheeze, snort wheezes. I uh, don't use it very often, but the grunt tube of all the calls is, is my bread and butter. So 
uh, it's well, yeah, underrated. Like I said, it's it's up to it's like that specific situation. Every yeah. situation you're in is different. Yeah. So, I you know, one time a snort wheeze works for somebody doesn't right. mean it's a good idea all yeah. the time. I mean, like I said before, I only have snort wheeze at a deer two, maybe three times ever. Yeah. And it, yes, it has worked for me on those occasions, but uh, it's also because I'm not sitting there snort wheezing all the damn time. Yeah. And, you know, I still take the grunt tube and it's always around my neck 99% of the time. And I have used it. I, I just, I haven't had the same success, but I mean, who knows? It's, it might be me at the same time. You know, maybe I'm not reading them right. Right. And people that rattle, um, there's a lot of people that have a lot of luck. Absolutely. With rattling. But then other people, they, they just bang the shit out of them and make all this noise. Like, that's not how a deer sounds when they're fighting. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you know, you gotta think about how they sound when they're fighting and they're not going to just do it for five straight minutes, just hardcore. I mean, it's, you know, so I typically, when I rattle, it doesn't, it starts kind of lightly, uh, like a little sparring, and then it gets a little more serious. And talking about the grunt tube, when the fight starts, quote unquote, I'll actually do a little grunting. I don't call it grunting. It's almost like a noise a bucks make when yeah. they're fighting to try to kind of paint that picture. But that's really, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think. Did I rattle at all last year? Yeah. Um, no, I did not. I didn't actually, you're going to, okay. You might be right on this one. You might win this argument here. But, uh, so my big buck I killed last year, uh, he came out of that timber with the dough he had in there because I grunted, I kind of roared at him as loud as I could. Cause he was a couple hundred yards away. And he came tearing out of that timber to come kick my ass. That's awesome. So I will take that back. <laughs> I I did get a buck to come running in on a on a on a grunt, uh, but I didn't even try rattling in that situation. It yeah. was just a straight grunt. Yeah. Uh, so I think they all have their place, and so I guess in general, I would say they're all pretty much appropriately rated because maybe I'm wrong. I think every hunter probably takes a rattle bag and grunt tube with them. Yeah. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong. I will tell you this rattling's fun as shit. And I am that guy that you just described who just, dude, I try to burn the antlers. I want to smell them when I'm done with them. <laughs> like if I, if I see a deer walking away and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to throw the horns at him and it's just crack. And I just try to grind them together. I, you know, I'm not tickling them like what I don't, I've seen some, I've seen some videos where it just looks like, that's if you've ever seen a deer fight two bucks fight it is very violent but they're not yeah. they're not tickling their antlers it is two bulls that are just cracking their horns one time and then they just push back and forth on each other they're not yeah. going click 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 it's not like that over and over right yeah. so anyway there's that all right yeah so, i got i got to watch a fight two yeah. years ago it's probably one of my most favorite memories hunting in my life oh yeah uh two they were like a year and a half old two and a half year old tops but they just got after it and it was like 30 yards in front of me yeah. and it was great i mean i just watched the whole thing yeah it's fun to watch for yep. sure all right so uh what else do i want to say let's do a speed round here and uh i'm gonna name some products and you just tell me uh 
what what you think they are, and I, I may stop you, okay? Okay. To elaborate a little bit, okay. Fixed blade broadheads. Appropriately rated. Okay. Mechanical broadheads. Oh God, overrated. Overrated. Okay, so I agree with you there, right? I think that fixed blades, you know, from an engineering standpoint, they just don't go wrong, right? They don't go wrong. Obviously, there's a little bit bigger of a cut, and one could argue that um, that you know, for uh, moderate shots, uh, the 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 thickness of the blade, or excuse me, the 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 diameter of the cut could uh, potentially get more, put more damage, thus having, you know, a uh, better opportunity at recovering a deer. I think of it as a different way. Um, uh, and I talked to this guy a long time ago, he was some old timer and he goes, man, the more moving parts there are, are on anything. Let's just take a vehicle. For example, the more opportunity there is for those moving parts to, misfunction you know or whatever even if the engineer says we've designed it this way right there's still a chance that it goes wrong you you eliminate that with uh with a fixed blade broadhead i say that as a hypocrite because i have mechanical broadheads on my (laughs) on my arrows right yeah so there's that um okay i I mean i get the like you know the whole people love rages and, yeah. you know, you, yeah, but I, I've never in my life shot a mechanical and I don't plan to, There you go. that's just me. So, and th- remember I go out West elk hunting, so yeah, I, I'm not taking a mechanical blade with me out there. So right. I don't want to have two different setups. So I use the same thing for everything and it's, it's a, it's a fixed blade and it's just, that's kind of what I like. Absolutely. Okay, so let's go. Now let's talk about like I don't have a lot of experience with rifles uh, or rifle scopes, and we talked a little bit about that on the western side of things. But let's talk about bows here for a second. Um, rests for your bow over under accurate. Uh, let's say under underrated. So you think uh, a rest is uh, a pretty important piece of uh, equipment? I would say a good rest is important in the arrow flying correctly. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Um, what about sights? I'm going to say, gosh, underrated again. Okay. So you, I, you think I accessories? I a lot of money on my sights. So would you, would you agree or disagree with this statement? Accessories are more important than the bow itself. If the bow will shoot straight, yes. Yeah. Any... Any bow, if it's properly tuned, should shoot straight. But if if I have some garbage sight on it, it's no really no different than a rifle at yeah. that point. If I have some garbage sight on it that doesn't have the appropriate second and third axis set, you you might as well just throw the damn arrow at the deer because you're you're not going to be shooting correctly most likely. Yeah. So I I mean, for instance, me myself, I shoot a 11 year old bow and I, I have a black gold pro sight on my bow, which is an expensive sight. And I don't recall my drop away rest, but it's not cheap. I probably have just as much in accessories than my bow is actually worth right now. Yeah. I mean, my bow is 11 years old. It's not worth anything, Yeah, but it shoots straight and I like it and it keeps going. Yeah. So, uh, I would say underrated. Yeah. I can get behind that. 
I can definitely get behind that. Okay, uh, so I'm gonna. I would probably say right on the line of accurate and underrated accessories are very important. I'll, how about this? Now, I am not a, uh, an archer when it comes to being able to break down form and really like I'm a bow hunter, but you know a good bow hunter has to also be uh, an archer as well, right? You have to sure. you ha- have to know what your arrow is doing if it's not accurate and stuff like that. So. Do you care? Do you use a stabilizer on your bow? Yes. Okay. Uh, so it's just a little twelve-inch bee stinger. Okay. Uh, you know, not, nothing like. If you ever go to three D shoots, some of these folks that don't actually hunt, they're just shooters. You know, they've got like these twelve footers, thirty-six inch. You know, <laughs> and then they got the ones coming out the back too. I always get a chuckle out of it, but um, I mean, I understand why they're doing it. It's just funny as a bow hunter to see that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I have got a stabilizer stabilizer on my bow. Okay, so don't need it though. W- yeah, what do you think? I mean, what is a over under for a stabilizer? Over. Overrated. Overrated. Okay, I, I have shot my bow not knowing I didn't have my stabilizer on it before and not noticed that I didn't have it. Yeah. Um, so I would say overrated probably. You could you could get used to the way your bow is without a stabilizer. Yeah. Um, if you shot it that way and, and so. repetition, right? The more you use right. any, any, any of the gear, the better, the more comfortable you're going to be with it, the more accurate you'll be with it. Uh, if, and like you said, if it's tuned properly, so yeah, I could, I'll agree with you there. Uh, let's find a couple more. Uh, we got a couple minutes left. Any, any products out there that, uh, that you want to mention? I got a good one for you. Okay. You used to talk about this all the time. Harnesses. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a no-brainer, man. No-brainer. Yeah. Underrated, and I've got a story for the listeners if they want to hear it here. Let's hear it. Um, so when I first started bow hunting, um, when I when I first started hunting, it was just with a rifle, and I would go sit on the ground, you know, your typical, I don't know, new hunter, right? I didn't have tree stands. I just took a rifle out and sat on the ground and hope a deer walked by. But when I started getting serious about bow hunting, I... I started wanting to get into tree stands and I had access to this property that had a tree stand on it. And I asked the, the owner, Hey, can I get up in that tree? And he's like, yeah, sure. Whatever you want to do. So it was actually during rifle season at this time. So I had, I had hunted out of that tree probably let's say 10 times during, uh, during archery portion of Missouri season. Then the rifle portion of the season got there. So then I had my rifle with me. And this was years ago, but at that time I had my rifle with me. So I put my rifle on my back. I'm climbing up that tree. And right as I get to the top of the the, uh, steps to step over onto the tree stand, the rope that was holding those steps to the tree snapped. And I fell 15 feet straight back onto the ground. And I honestly thank God every day that I don't know how I didn't even, I didn't even have a scratch on me. Like I, I hunted right after that on the ground. I don't know how I didn't get hurt or die falling out of that tree. Yep. Yep. So ever since then, you know, then that's when I started kind of listening to podcasts and, and Dan Johnson was one of the first ones I started listening to. And he, at the end of every damn episode, the guy would say, <laughs> where are your damn safety harness? And that's that's when I got serious about, you know, at that time I was a father of two children and if I would have died hunting 
for deer. I don't know, you know, I would have put my wife in a horrible situation because I was out screwing around and not being safe about it. So from that day forward, you better not be in a tree stand without a safety harness on. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the way I look at it is it's very selfish of you to hunt without one, especially if you have a wife or uh, uh, children or, you know, anybody who cares about you because it, you're you're not caring about them at that point because it, it takes, right. you know, just imagine there's guys out there right now who are blowing through a tube to make a wheelchair and then i know this is sounds pretty blunt but they're blowing through a tube to make a wheelchair move someone else is changing their diapers and all this stuff because they didn't use a tree uh, uh safety harness yeah do you want that and it's to be really you? easy yeah. it's really easy to be lazy like i've got we've all done it i've gotten out of the truck i didn't remember to put it on and i start walking away and i go oh crap my harness how easy it is to go, eh, yeah. it'll be fine this time. Yep. And 99 times out of 100, it is. Yeah. But it only takes that one time. And I had a 15-foot fall out of a tree and walked away from it. And I'm not I'm not going to make that same mistake again because I got lucky as hell. Yeah. Um, I had a rifle on my back that had rounds in the chamber. Now, the safety wasn't off, but rounds in the chamber... I could have shot myself. I could have, that rifle could have went off when I hit the ground and shot somebody else. Um, you never know. And there's a lot of things I'm thankful for from that day right. that uh, I walked away from that, you know, I'm not going to, you know, take for granted. So, absolutely. Safety harness, underrated, should never go home without it, especially, um, obviously, if you're getting in the tree. And if, so. you're, if, you're, if you're clumsy, you might even need one in a hunting blind. Yeah, that might be me too. <laughs> well, let's end on that because that's a that's a pretty a good statement to end on. Uh, Nate, man, appreciate your time. Thanks for hopping on and BSing with us today. All right, no problem, buddy.